Act One of Adelphi or the Brothers by Terence, translated by Henry Thomas Riley. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Adelphi, the Brothers. Dramatis Personae. Demea, brother, aged Athenian. Read by Max Schellinger. Mesio, brother, aged Athenian, read by Adam Bielka. Hegio, an aged Athenian, kinsman of Zostrata, read by Ethan Hurst. Aeschinus, son of Demia, adopted by Mesio, read by Thomas Peter. Tesipho, another son of Demia, read by Shashang Jakmula. Sanio, a procurer. Read by Son of the Exiles. Geda, Servant of Sostrata. Read by Todd. Parmeno, Servant of Missio. Read by Devora Allen. Cyrus, Servant to Michio. Read by Alan Mapstone. Dromo, Servant of Missio. Read by Devora Allen. Pamphila, a young woman beloved by Aeschylus, read by Lydia. Sostrata, a widow, mother of Pamphila, read by Kristen Hand. Canthera, a nurse, read by Eva Davis. Stage directions, read by Sonia. Scene, Athens, before the houses of Mesio and Sostrata. The title of the play. Performed at the funeral games of Emedius Paulus which was celebrated by Q. Fabius Maximus and P. Cornelius Africanus. L. Atelius Praenestinus and Minucius Prothemus performed it. Flaccus, the freedman of Claudius, composed the music for Serranian flutes. Taken from the Greek of Menander, L. Anesius and M. Cornelius being consuls. The Prologue Since the poet has found that his writings are carped at by unfair critics, and that his adversaries represent in a bad light the play that we are about to perform he shall give information about himself you shall be the judges whether this ought to be esteemed to his praise or to his discredit the synaposnes contes is a comedy of diphilus plautus made it into a play called the comorientes in the greek there is a young man who at the early part of the play carries off a courtesan from a procurer that part plautus has entirely left out this portion he has adopted in the adelphi and has transferred it translated word for word this new play we are about to perform determine then whether you think a theft has been committed or a passage has been restored to notice which has been passed over in neglect for as to what these malevolent persons say that men of noble rank assist him and are always writing in conjunction with him that which they deem to be a heavy crimination he takes to be the highest praise since he pleases those who please you all and the public the aid of whom in war in peace in private business each one has availed himself of on his own occasion without any haughtiness on their part now then do not expect the plot of the play the old men who come first will disclose it in part a part in the representation they will make known do you cause your impartial attention 
to increase the industry of the poet in writing act the first scene one and the Micio calling to a servant within storax iskinos has not returned home from the entertainment last night nor any of the servants who went to fetch him to himself really they say it with reason if you are absent anywhere or if you stay abroad at any time twere better for that to happen which your wife says against you and which in her passion she imagines in her mind than the things which fond parents fancy a wife if you stay long abroad either imagines that you are in love or are beloved or that you are drinking and indulging your inclination and that you are only taking your pleasure while she herself is miserable as for myself in consequence of my son not having returned home what do i imagine in what ways am i not disturbed for fear lest he may either have taken cold or have fallen down somewhere or have broken some limb oh dear that any man should take it into his head or find out what is dearer to him than he is to himself and yet he is not my son but my brother's he is quite different in disposition i from my very youth upward have lived a comfortable town life and taken my ease and what they esteem a piece of luck i have never had a wife he on the contrary to all this has spent his life in the country and has always lived laboriously and penuriously he married a wife and has two sons this one the elder of them i have adopted i have brought him up from an infant and considered and loved him as my own in him i centre my delight this object alone is dear to me on the other hand i take all due care that he may hold me equally dear i give i overlook i do not judge it necessary to exert my authority in everything in fine the things that youth prompts to and that others do unknown to their fathers i have used my son not to conceal from me for he who as the practice is will dare to tell a lie or to deceive his father will still more dare to do so to others i think it better to restrain children through a sense of shame and liberal treatment than through fear on these points my brother does not agree with me nor do they please him he often comes to me exclaiming what are you about missio why do you ruin for us this youth why does he intrigue why does he drink why do you supply him with the means for these goings-on you indulge him with too much dress you are very inconsiderate he himself is too strict beyond what is just and reasonable and he is very much mistaken in my opinion at all events who thinks that an authority is more firm or more lasting which is established by force than that which is founded on affection such is my mode of reasoning and thus do i persuade myself he who compelled by harsh treatment does his duty so long as he thinks it will be known is on his guard if he hopes that it will be concealed he again returns to his natural bent he whom you have secured by kindness acts from inclination he is anxious to return like for like present and absent he will be the same this is the duty of a parent to accustom a son to do what is right rather of his own choice than through fear of another in this the father differs from the master he who cannot do this let him confess that he does not know how to govern children but 
Is not this the very man of whom I was speaking? Surely it is he. I don't know why it is. I see him out of spirits. I suppose he'll now be scolding as usual. Demia, I am glad to see you well. Scene two. Enter Demia. Oh, opportunely met. You are the very man I was looking for. Why are you out of spirits? Do you ask me, when we have such a son as Aeschinus, why I'm out of spirits? Misio aside. Did I not say it would be so? To Demia. What has he been doing? What has he been doing? He who is ashamed of nothing and fears no one, nor thinks that any law can control him. But I pass by what has been previously done. What a thing he has just perpetrated. Why? What is it? He has broken open a door and forced his way into another person's house, beaten to death the master himself and all the household, and carried off a wench whom he had a fancy for. All people are exclaiming that it was a most disgraceful proceeding. How many, Mikio, told me of this as I was coming here? It's in everybody's mouth. In fine, if an example must be cited, does he not see his brother giving his attention to business and living frugally and soberly in the country? No action of his is like this. When I say this to him, Mikio, I say it to you. You allow him to be corrupted. Never is there anything more unreasonable than a man who wants experience, who thinks nothing right except what he himself has done. What is the meaning of that? Because, Demia, you misjudge these matters. It is no heinous crime, believe me, for a young man to intrigue or to drink. It is not, nor yet for him to break open a door. If neither I nor you did so, it was poverty that did not allow us to do so. Do you now claim that as a merit to yourself, which you then did from necessity? That is unfair, for if we had had the means to do so, we should have done the same. And if you were a man, you would now suffer that other son of yours to act thus now, while his age will excuse it, rather than when he has got you, after long wishing it out of the way, he should still do so at a future day, and at an age more unsuited. Oh, Jupiter, you, sir, are driving me to distraction. Is it not a heinous thing for a young man to do these things? Oh, do listen to me, and do not everlastingly din me upon the subject. You gave me your son to adopt. He became mine. If he offends in anything, Demia, he offends against me. In that case, I shall bear the greater part of the inconvenience. Does he feast? Does he drink? Does he smell of perfumes? It is at my cost. Does he intrigue? Money shall be found by me, so long as it suits me. When it shall be no longer convenient, probably he'll be shut out of doors. Has he broken open a door? It shall be replaced. He has torn anyone's clothes? They shall be mended. Thanks to the gods, I both have the means for doing this, and these things are not as yet an annoyance. In fine, either desist, or else find some arbitrator between us. I will show that in this matter, you are the most to blame. Ah, me. Learn to be a father from those who are really so. You are his father by nature, I by my anxiety. 
you feel any anxiety? Oh, dear. If you persist, I'll leave you. Is it thus you act? Am I so often to hear about the same thing? I have some concern for my son. I have some concern for him, too. But, Demia, let us each be concerned for his own share. You for the one, and I for the other. For, to concern yourself about both is almost the same thing as to demand him back again, whom you entrusted to me. Alas, Mikio. So it seems to me. What am I to say to this? If it pleases you, henceforth, let him spend, squander, and destroy. It's nothing to me. If I say one word after this... Again angry? Demia. Won't you believe me? Do I demand him back, whom I have entrusted? I am concerned for him. I am not a stranger in blood. If I do interpose, well, well, I have done. You desire me to concern myself for one of them. I do concern myself, and I give thanks to the gods. He is just as I would have him. That fellow of yours will find it out at a future day. I don't wish to say anything more harsh against him. Exit. Scene three. Misio alone. These things are not nothing at all, nor yet all just as he says. Still, they do give me some uneasiness, but I am unwilling to show him that I took them amiss, for he is such a man, when I would pacify him, I steadily oppose and resist him. And, in spite of it, he hardly puts up with it like other men. But if I were to inflame, or even to humor his anger, I should certainly be as mad as himself. And yet Aeschinos has done me some injustice in this affair. What courtesan has he not intrigued with? Or to which of them has he not made some present? At last he recently told me that he wished to take a wife. I suppose he was just tired of them all. I was in hopes that the warmth of youth had now subsided. I was delighted. But look now, he is at it again. However, I am determined to know it, whatever it is and go meet the fellow, if he is at the forum. Exit. End of Act One